When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Trans-Europe Express podcast with me, Danny Kelly. Alongside me uh, for this podcast is Rob Daly, European football super brain. Loads and loads and loads to discuss as things change very quickly in the football leagues uh, up and down Europe. We'll also be previewing um, the upcoming Champions League and Europa League games that are coming up this week. And as you'll hear, I mean, this is a podcast of a live show. We'll try and break, we, we break the show up in order to bring you coverage of the extraordinary events in Greek football. We often have a laugh about Greek football, but as you'll hear in the course of the podcast, it's gone way, way over the line this weekend. Hope you enjoy it. If you do, leave some uh, positive comments on iTunes. And if you don't like it, keep well away from those comment pages on iTunes. Please do that for me. Hope you enjoy the show. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sport. everybody thank you for joining us here on the trans europe express thanks to andy and the gang for the final word as well i'm danny kelly um during the next two hours myself and my uh, super talented uh, rocket man we'll come back to that a little later of a co-host uh, rob daly will try and take you all around european football uh, during the last few days and we'll preview uh, this weekend's uh, sorry this week's action in the Champions League and the Europa League. We've got a European cult hero from the mists of time for you. We've got some, some musical homework. Simon Calder's World Cup travel report continues with the, uh, the city of Saransk. If you've got tickets for Saransk, you might want to hear that, uh, and not necessarily in a good way. We'll get the World Cup scouting report from Rob Daly and the goals as they go in for tonight's big games. Inter Milan against Napoli. Toulouse against Marseille and Bilbao versus Leganes. Poll for you as well about the next PSG manager. All of that is going to be squeezed incredibly and unlikely without the, the, the safety net that we can't afford here at TalkSport into just two hours. You're listening to Trans Europe Express. I'm Danny Kelly. He's Rob Daly. You're listening millions. Brilliant to have you along for the ride. So it's a big hello, obviously, to Rob Daly. Hi, Rob. Hey, Danny. Um, you've been, I take it, to back to Germany or somewhere. You've been travelling since I last saw you. Got back, uh, got back this morning after covering the worst game I've done this season. Which it was? Hertha nil, Freiburg nil. Well, let us uh, make sure we don't mention that in Please. our roundup of I'm, Germany. I'm very happy with that. Um, and uh, have you been out with any uh, footballing celebrities? Are you like Mark Langham? Do you, uh, Langdon? Do you make yourself 
busy in the nightclubs and flesh pots of, uh, of continental Europe with uh, long retired superstars as I do, he does. I do. I have some. I have good. Some, I have some good ones. Who's but... your biggest superstar friend? Oh, what night out, friend? No, no, just your biggest superstar football friend. I don't friend. have any superstar <laughs> friends. It's sad. Ernie Hernes. Do you have to go for a No, me and Early. No, me and Early. No, we don't speak as much. No. No. Effenberg? He <laughs> fell out. Uh, it was pretty bad. Over a woman, of course. <laughs> very good, very good. All right, let's start with Italy then. I mean, first of all, it's been any goals in our three big games. Yes, there has. I see that only less than 20 minutes into the game. Um, in Madrid, it's Atletico. That's Bilbao, actually. Which, which game is that? Yeah, it's Bilbao Leganes, 2 0. Yeah. And Real Garcia has both goals. Got both goals, thank you. And we'll keep you across the rather more important games involving Toulouse and Marseille. Um, and, of course, the one uh, from Italy, Inter Milan and Naples, um, which is 15 minutes in 0 0. Very important game for both sides. Let us start, though, indeed, in Italy and um, take the tone that we started to show with and do a handbrake turn with it because I think much of it. Um, it's Italian football. The, the cast, uh, the shadow cast by the death of the Fiorentina captain, continues to be the centerpiece of Italian football this weekend. Yes. Yeah, so we had the funeral of uh, Davide Storey, uh, mm. Fiorentina captain, on uh, just after Spurs' uh, game against Juve in the Champions League. Spurs uh, beaten by Juve. And Juve's players immediately flew to Florence um, for the funeral. Thousands attended um, in the city centre. Um, and a round of applause for the Juve players when they turned up unthinkable in Florence because yeah. they're their most hated rivals. Um, and after that as well, then we had Fiorentina having to actually play football today um, against Benevento. Um, now, how did that how did that work out? What was the what was going on in the stadium and all the rest of that? They had an incredible uh, tifo first of all of uh, purple, red, and white banners that read just Davide 13 down went into the stadium. They had an extended silence as well in memory of their their captain. Um, they, there was also a, fan, a banner that the fans had that they'd made that said, there are men who never die. There are stories that are passed on through etern- eternity. Bon voyage, captain. And that's the reason why our, our headline for the Italian coverage, this uh, this edition of Trans-Europe Express, is Chow for the last time. Because there's seemed to be a... I mean, I can't... It's very hard to imagine, because you don't want to name names, a similar sort of player, a similar sort of tragedy here in England. Um, but so far, Italy and the Italian football have shown themselves... So far, all I've seen is absolutely fantastic and very tasteful uh, response absolutely, to, yeah. to uh, Story's death. Uh, it's it's interesting because so many of the players, obviously a lot of people are going to say nice things about you in times sure. like this, but... I wouldn't count on that, Rob, when you go. Well, that's, that's very true. That's very yeah. true. Ask Stefan Effenberg, and uh, yeah. he'll yeah. say across a word or two. That must have been a great fight between gin- ginger <laughs> men fighting. Was, I know, yeah. people don't like to see that. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, I, I think, you know, you look at the amount of Italian head coaches, national team head coaches, who continually picked him. He's never been a outright starter for the no, Italian No, he's up against some of the great central defenders that in, of the modern right. era, isn't he? I think they all know the value of him in the dressing room. And sure, it was his first season as Fiorentina captain, and he hadn't even really been there that long in terms of things you know I think we're talking three seasons for Davide story at Fiorentina but I think it says a lot about the way that all his teammates have spoken about him and he and he had something what you'd almost call a state funeral that uh, what he had in in Florence um in the week and in the in the piazza where they they had the funeral as well it's interesting at the start of the day merchants turned up trying to flog a story shirts and they got hounded out of town by the supporters who said, this is not the time to be trying to make, make money from this occasion. And look, we've seen the tears from the players. We've seen the minute silence in the recent games in the Champions League in, in Syria. It's, it's going to be one of the defining stories of the season. And for many of those players, it will be the defining story of their career. But for Fiorentina, 
what was interesting about the game, I mean, football can be so ridiculously poetic at times. So they beat Benevento 1-0 today, a game they're expected to win. The winning goal was scored by the man who replaced a story in the team, and they even did like a, a little salute to a shirt of him uh, during the game. As, as um, yeah, an incredible result. They they managed to hold on for for one nil after Vitor Hugo's goal, and Fiorentina get a win in what must be the most trying circumstances. And of course, we had the situation there um, where the game started in complete silence. I don't know whether it was a continuation of the silence by the fans or just another mark of respect. But they played the first minutes, three minutes, because I happened to be watching it out in total silence in the ground and then people start to get into it the game right. and, and support and support their team well thank you for all of that and if that's one set of reactions what's the reaction been in Italy to Juventus um, I think you could argue in the second leg defying the odds um, making their way through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League absolutely I mean you, you look at Spurs for the better team for I want to say 80% of the tie I agree with that something like that But this is, and it sounds like a lazy cliche to say this is what Juve does, but more than any team in Europe, and we've seen it over the past few months, they haven't been scintillating or breathtaking, but they just get wins. And they just did it with that, what was it, three minutes of of madness, essentially, when Dybala and Higuain sort of worked some, some magic. And sure, they did it the weekend before against Lazio as well. They just continually get results. And... I think in Italy, they're not surprised that Juve did it, even though they weren't the better side over the two legs. OK, well, what about this weekend? They're back to winning ways as well. Yeah, 2-0 win over Udinese, two goals for Paolo Dybala. He's, he's been a bit, a bit hit and miss this year. He's had very good runs where he scored week in, week out, and then he's had quiet spells. His first was this glorious free kick. Now, you don't want to give a free kick away. Right-hand side of the D of your own penalty area, because Dybala will score every single one of them, swept it over the wall, and then much like Iguain supplied Dybala uh, at Wembley, um, they basically did the same thing again, except much closer to goal this time for Dybala's second. Iguain missed a penalty, but for Juve, it puts the pressure on Napoli, because they're top of the table as things stand. Napoli currently playing it into it 0-0, um, and Juve just look like they're, they're galloping towards the finishing line, as well, they do every season. Well, that's the critical. That's the reason why I say this game is going on over your shoulder. You've got it in front of you as well. Uh, there's 21 minutes gone there. It's into nil, Napoli nil. Um, and Napoli, you know, they're, they're a fantastic challenge to a Juventus team that most people would have expected to walk away with the league again uh, this year. Um, it's not, it's not a, an absolute must-win game, but the sight of Juventus top of the table heading in towards Easter exactly. would, would, put the, would make anyone nervous. So Naples probably do need to, to get something out of this game, say nil-nil after 21 minutes. I think Marseille have just scored as well, Danny. It looks like, uh, I think it's Lucas Ocampos who's got the goal for Marseille. They lead to lose uh, by a goal to nil. He actually scored a couple in the week in the Europa League against Athletic Bilbao, played very well supplied by Dimitri Payet. This is a corner not cleared by Toulouse into the penalty area. It just breaks very kindly to him and he just smashes it from a couple of yards out. So Marseille won to lose nil. Okay, thank you very much indeed for that. Meanwhile, um, in Italy, um, let's talk about, uh, well, we can say Roma on Friday um, beat uh, Torino pretty handily. Um, AC, um, AC Milan, they won at Genoa um, after that uh, poor defeat by Arsenal um, during the uh, during the week. Um, but a lot of talk around there about Donnarumma. Not, not, not directly about him, but as a result, some other talk. Exactly, if you put the pieces of the jigsaw together. So, so um, AC Milan have come out and said that we have uh, asked for Napoli's permission essentially to speak to Pepe Reina, who I think is out of contract at the end of the season. So he's 35. So Milan want to add a goalkeeper. Now, they they signed a backup goalkeeper last summer in Donnarumma's brother when all the contract um, stuff was happening. So now, 
is are they looking to sign Pepe Reina to be first choice? You'd think so. He's first choice at Napoli. Why would he want to leave? Therefore, do they expect Donnarumma to move on? What's your what's your feeling? Well, there's been rumours about PSG this week. A lot of the talk. I mean, we'll get on to PSG and the French media is clamouring for new players for PSG to sign. But goalkeeper is one of the positions um, that he's you know that PSG are reportedly looking at. I'd be surprised if Donnarumma went there. I I still think he'll he'll eventually be Buffon's replacement at Juventus, and I think he will leave at some point. But you you're having to pay serious dollar to get him out of out of Milan. And uh, at the bottom of the table. Um, a very unexpected and massive win for Crotona. They won 4-1 against Sampdoria, who were just sort of flirting with European qualification this season. And it takes Crotona up to 16th. A few teams all on 24 that sort of drop into the relegation zone. But a massive, uh, massive result for them. And also in, around the relegation zone, Sassuolo won, Spal won. Those teams 17th and 18th respectively probably doesn't help them. It's but incredible. Verona's victory is huge here as well, isn't it? Absolutely. That was a, a Verona derby. They beat Kievo by... Uh, by a goal to nil on Saturday. Which keeps them, although second from bottom, in the race to avoid relegation and drags Kievo right back into it. Exactly. So I would argue, looking at the league table here, Danny, have we got one, two, three, four, five, six teams? Up perhaps. to Cagliari, Up to Cagliari, yeah. yeah. So that's six teams all looking to avoid relegation. Benevento down with 10 points, basically. So, yeah, it's close. And speaking of Cagliari, a doping scandal surrounding one of their players? Yeah, that's right. So it's Jao Pedro um, who has been... Um, penalised for drug doping he's been suspended indefinitely it's something to do with the spray that they use and I think a couple of other players that the, the doctors give the players I'm not quite sure what it's used for but that's what has led to him being banned currently um, indefinitely so, well I, th- I think just uh, as, as I say do as the investigation exactly, because exactly, yeah. there isn't a legal system in the world will allow you to be banned oh, no, indefinitely no, no. at the present moment um, but people might well say if you have been doping that's, that would be an appropriate punishment but at the moment I don't think that's that's possible and we'll keep an eye on that story I think that's everything we have rattled through everything that's happening in Italy except for us picking a star of the week oh yeah it's Ciro Immobile so he's on virtually t- every week it's Ciro Immobile <laughs> isn't it let's be honest <laughs> 24 goals now and Lazio were away at Cagliari 95th minute a drilled low cross into the penalty area and he back heels it in the air sort of Chiru Mkhitaryan-esque and loops it over the goalkeeper for a, for an equaliser. It finished 2-2. Disappointing result, though, for Lazio. It is, yeah, it is a disappointing result. I mean, they dropped to fourth, I think it is, in the live league table as things stand. Inter can go above them with a result uh, against Napoli uh, this evening. A disappointing result, certainly, for, for the Rome side. Thank you very much indeed. When we come back, I'll tell you about our poll, our music homework, and we get the latest from Spain and the latest from the astonishing career of Sergio Ramos, this time as he goes to the toilet. Those of you who are regular listeners will know that the uh, producer of this show is obsessed with Jamiroquai. Therefore, any music homework that can be hijacked is, this of course is Jamiroquai and Cosmic Girl. Cosmic Girl, yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Our songs today, our music homework is for songs about space, planets, space travel, etc. Because during the week, uh, Zinedine, Zinedine Zidane described Cristiano Ronaldo as being for another galaxy. So plenty of songs to choose from. 
um, space, planets, etc. 81089, you can text them. Tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words. Danny, it's, it's, I forgot, when I was put doing making some suggestions, I forgot Cosmic Dancer by T-Rex. Don't forget that. Is, is, the, is the Jamiroquai thing about Pat a joke? Or is no. that real? No, no, it's his favourite. I, I thought it was a. I honestly no. thought it was a joke. I think sometimes they meet in the park and hold hands. I mean, it's Pat, is it true? You just not. It is true. You're obsessed with Jamiroquai. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. What, I didn't what, know. Why that. is that so funny? Because I just don't know anyone who's obsessed with. Jer- there you I'm do. Like, there, uh, there, there is his go. smiling here, here visage go. through uh, the honestly, glass. Honestly, sorry, mate. Yeah, good. Okay. Good. Meanwhile, we got a poll for you tonight. I mean, it looks pretty likely um, that Unai Emre's on his way out of Paris Saint-Germain, particularly after that. Well, what was that performance uh, against Real Madrid? We'll come on to that very, very soon. Um, but who should be the next manager of Paris Saint-Germain? It's a huge job, of course. And the names on our list are Antonio Conte, Maurizio Pochettino, former player, of course, Arsene Wenger, French, therefore somehow in the running, um, and Diego Simeone, after one million years in charge of Atletico <laughs> Madrid. Um, Conte, Pochettino, Wenger, Simeone, and the three places you can vote for that, at TalkSport on Twitter, at Danny Kelly Words on Twitter, and at Rob T. Daly on Twitter. Vote there. Now, let's move on to Spain, which is, of course, where we got the, the music homework from, and our headline is No Missing Messi. No Missing Messi. Um... And the, the, the great Argentinian forward indeed missed Barcelona's game at Malaga for the very nice reason of um, the birth of his son. Yeah, certainly, yeah. Just a quick one, uh, Danny. Before that, Toulouse have equalised. They're dancing oh. in the stands in purple. And it's Toulouse 1, Marseille 1. We'll get the score for you in a moment. But a blow for Marseille. Days on from their uh, Europa League uh, victory. Ocampos actually put Marseille ahead in that game. So 1-1. One, one. Thank you very much indeed. It's so Messi. Messi. I mean, it's 2-0 two nil, two nil to Atletico Bilbao against Leganes. And 0-0 nil, nil in the important game after half an hour in Italy between Inter and Napoli. Yes, talk to me about Messi. So Lionel Messi missed the game at Malaga because um, he, he had the birth of his third child, Chiro Messi. Mm-hmm. Named after Chiro Mobile, I'm sure, for that back heel goal. He just thought that was so good. I've got to name him after that. And um, I'm just thinking about Messi and Mobley playing up front for Argentina in the World <laughs> Cup. Just a thought. Just a thought. Okay. okay. I've got the wrong one, haven't I? Mobley is Italian, isn't he? Yes, he is. Who's the other fellow? Insignia is who will be playing up front with Messi. He, he's Italian <laughs> as well. All right. Forget it then. No. Someone beginning with I, I want now. And otherwise, I'm not going to have it. So, Icardi. Icardi. I'm understanding after a jumper, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's come, do you know why I come back there from the depths? Absolutely from the depths. So, so Messi. None miss- of those Italian players will be playing in the World Cup, by the way. <laughs> so, Messi. I like the way you're suppressing your very high pitched laugh this week. Danny, I'm, I'm scared to <laughs> Have do you been it. in training? I've just had my Voice mates coaching. destroy me for it, so I'm just <laughs> trying to stay away from it. They so- must have heard it before. Oh, they've heard it. Yeah, okay. just not on national radio. Okay, so played right. every week. Let's go back to uh, Barcelona. Yeah. So no Messi, no problem. Barcelona won two 0 at Malaga. Um, goals from Luis Suarez, a fine first goal after a wonderful cross in from Jordi Alba, and then Felipe Coutinho before the half hour. We haven't got a word for that goal where you sort of flick it behind your other leg when it's crossed low into the box. No, one no, no. I'm doing you're, it for you now. You're writing on radio. Yeah, get stand up and do it. Let me just have a quick look. So I'm just you just sort of you wait. It comes across you. Yeah. And you flick it like that. Okay, like, like Franco Zola's famous goal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, we yeah. do not have a name for that. Well, let's yeah. call it the Zola from now on. Just, yeah, right. um, or I'm being told by the uh, Jamiroquai fan, all the Kanu, 
Oh, Carnu's um, it's more like the Carnu. Yeah, yeah there it's, you are. it's the Carnu. We'll call okay, it. Okay, we'll call it the Carnu then. Carnu's good. Hashtag Forza Carnu. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, in a, a relatively straightforward victory for Barcelona. Um, but um, Dembele starting to make, make more time in the team and starting to look as they head into the closing stages of the of the, of the season, particularly in the Champions League. We'll talk more about that a little later. Uh, Chelsea. Um, and Barcelona is live here on Talk Sport in midweek. But it, he's coming. Look, it's, it's a difficult first season for the fella, but he's coming back into fitness at least at the right, exactly yeah, the right time. Yeah, he is. And I mean, look, he's trying to come into a Barcelona side that has been pretty settled. Ernesto Valverde hasn't had to mix things up. It's Paulinho and, and Messi and Suarez sort of, you know, you've got two up front and Paulinho driving on from midfield. And Dembele's an out and out winger. He's, he's nothing else. So. He's, he played at the weekend. I think he's going to get a lot of game time towards the end of the season. He's yet to score, but they're seeing promise. He had a chance at the weekend um, against Malaga. He played in the Catalan Super Cup midweek, which is sort of friendly local derby thing that they play. Some of the Barcelona first team played, and we'll get onto that in a moment. We will. Um, but it looks like he's coming good. And look, just another weapon for Barcelona. I think they will beat Chelsea, and we'll get onto that. But um, they, they need the reinforcements in the squad going into the closing weeks. And uh, we'll talk a little, just name me the name. Who was the last Englishman to play for Barcelona before this week? So it was Gary Lineker. Wow, that is a while ago now, isn't it? Yeah, and there was some other guy back in the old times. Yeah, but long time well, ago. of course, Mark Hughes and one or two Welsh people. <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. But, but it's a long time since anybody with, a, with a, uh, an English passport played uh, for Barcelona, but it happened during the week. Marcus McQueen, uh, who was at Arsenal, he left... Uh, back in January, the 19-year-old said he wasn't getting enough opportunities. Did play a couple of times in the Europa League. Um, and technically, he hasn't quite played for the Barcelona first team yet because the Catalan Super Cup is, you know, it's not a real first team game. But he came on in that defensive midfield. He's been signed essentially to play for Barcelona B. And um, his, his head coach in Barcelona B, uh, Gerald Lopez, has been really praising him since his arrival from Arsenal. He's played a few games now and says he's the complete complete player. What he needs to understand now is a touch more calmness on the ball and to understand the positional play of Barcelona. And, you know, bold move from him, a great move for him. Um, what was interesting as well, Danny, when he was talking about he's done some training with the first team now, and, you know, you've got Messi there and you've got Suarez and you've got Coutinho, you've got all these great players. And he said Coutinho had a chat with him when he first arrived, but the player he picked out was uh, Sergio Busquets as the one he was like... Wow, look at this guy. And I suppose as a defensive midfielder... Well, um, World Cup winner, it. Champions League winner, exactly. European Championship winner, we could shebang. go on. Um, let's talk about Real Madrid. Um, and Although a 2-1 win at Ibar looks like fairly normal business as well, um, contrasting but headline-grabbing days for both Cristiano Ronaldo and Sergio, Sergio Ramos. Do you want Ronaldo first? Yes, because it's Ronaldo. not as funny as Sergio Ramos. So Ronaldo was an absolute monster this weekend. A tricky away game, you know, I floating around the European places. Absolutely. Ronaldo scored two of the most just brutal, ruthless goals you'll see this season. His first one, Abar gave it away in midfield. Luka Modric picks it up in the centre circle. Outside to the right foot, floated ball around the fullback, chest down, smash. Second one, goal, header, six minutes from time. He came out of nowhere. No one was marking him. Smashed it past the goalkeeper. It was brilliant. And that's why uh, Senderdine Zidane was just trying to find new superlatives. Um, I suppose another planet, another um, galaxy does it. That is the, the background to our music choices tonight. After Zidane did say he was from another galaxy. So songs about space, planets, etc. 81089, you can text your request to or direct to me at Danny Kelly Words on Twitter. Meanwhile, <clears throat> um, Cristiano Ronaldo's longtime teammate, um, Sergio Ramos, 
Um, how did he try to upstage his uh, striking partner? Well, actually, I suppose it's our second La Liga link to Gary Lineker uh, this evening ah. in that Sergio Ramos on 73 minutes, with the score at 1-1, said to the referee, I need to leave. Ah. And he headed down the tunnel and came back five minutes later, com- completely fine. And he needed to go for a, a number two. Zenedine Tadan confirmed this at full time. Now, would you take yourself off as a sub or would, would you back yourself enough to come back on? After that, uh, if I was, if I was <laughs> in Zinedine Zidane, when a game where they only win, it, 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 it means, was one-one at the time. Yes, I mean, and it, but it shows that they're not really that bothered anymore about La Liga. That's gone for them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah true. Uh, otherwise you wouldn't have the players strolling <laughs> off uh, to spend a penny, as they used to say. <laughs> um, Sergio Ramos, he is a one, isn't he? A massive win for Valencia. Yes, and I, we're going to be seeing them back in the Champions League. Um, so they have now an eleven-point gap over Sevilla. Two-nil win at Sevilla. Um, two goals from Rodrigo, who will be hoping to go to the World Cup with Spain. Uh, much credit to Valencia's goalkeeper Neto, who made so many great saves. Valencia's got a goalkeeper called Neto. Yes, that's the okay, one. good. And Glovesy is on the bench, is he? <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. That is the best name for a goalkeeper <laughs> since, since the French World Cup squad of the early nineties. Do you remember they went to the World Cup? I can't remember which one it was with three goalkeepers called Rust, Bats, and Dropsy. They have wow. Rust, Bats and Dropsy as their three <laughs> goalkeepers. Um, that, I mean, that means the Champions League places in Spain are done, aren't they? Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid and Valencia. Yeah, it's too big a gap. Sevilla, Villarreal now really looking for Europa League football with Girona after another another victory for them this weekend, just behind them in seventh. Can, and yeah, Can you explain to me, Rob, how Valencia last season, a proper basket case of a team and a club, are yeah. now in the Champions League? I'll give a lot of the credit to their head coach, Marcelino. Um... A, a coach with great experience of La Liga. I think Valencia were fortunate to get him. It's a big job, but you looked at that job and you thought everything's, as you mentioned, basket case. He's just built a very good squad and they're not dependent on one player. I think that's key. You look at Rodrigo, 12 goals. Santi Mina, 11. Simone Zaza, who tried to headbutt someone's elbow to get them sent off for the weekend. Find that online. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, they've, just got, they've just got a very good team. Mm. If truth be told, from the goalkeeper... Old, old, your good friend Neto, yeah. right through Gonzalo Guedes, good defenders, Gabriel Palista playing a lot since arriving from Arsenal. They're just good, and that's why they're fourth. Okay, and for, oh, we should mention as well the Atletico Madrid beat Celta 3 0. Antoine Griezmann, absolutely brilliant again, but the stories don't go away now that uh, Barcelona more and more likely to yeah. be his, his place of choice. I think, I think if he's going, I mean, for a long time, I really did think that Manchester United was the, the place and. I still think there's a spot for him at, at Manchester United as a, as a starter, but the, it it still seems to linger around Barcelona. But they've they've spent a lot of money to you know Dembele and Coutinho two massive transfer fees. They've spent 30 million euros today on Arthur from Brazil, a new a new midfielder that they're bringing in in the next transfer window, I think. And so, if they don't sell one of their forwards, um, they don't. I mean, I don't see the saleable assets that they could no. because of either a mixture of age or undesirability. They, they're going to have trouble balancing their books for the uh, for the fair play. Who's your star of the week? In, uh, in, uh, in it was Rodrigo for his two brilliant goals uh, against Sevilla, the Valencia striker who's having a fine season and um, yeah, he needs it. There's opportunities up front for Spain at the World Cup. He'll be looking to take one. Okay, well, thank you very much indeed for that. You'll listen to uh, Trans Europe Express here on a Sunday night with me, Danny Kelly, and Rob Daly. Next up, in the next 15 minutes, we'll be looking at a very busy and fantastically uh, weird weekend, of course, in French football. And I shall be thinking of more Italian players that I fantasise about playing up front with Lionel Messi in the World Cup.
Well done, everybody. Straight to the heart of the matter. The greatest ever song about space. Another girl, another planet by the mighty, mighty only ones from back in the day. Any song that starts with the words, space travels in my blood. You know, you know you're going somewhere. I'll tell you what I'll do until we get to the chorus. I'll give you the latest from our poll. Go to our poll at Danny Kelly Words, at Talk Sport, at um, Rob T. Daly, isn't it, as well? Um, here's the poll. Who should be the next manager of PSG? At the moment, it's 16% Pochettino, 17% Semioni, 29% Wenger, and 38% say Antonio Conte. Sam Hurley says, what, no Mourinho? Stuart, who's probably a Southampton fan, says, Pellegrino, please. Mitchell says, Ancelotti or Enrique. And Jed says, what about Zidane? I mean, you gave us these four names, Rob. There's a hundred people who could be the next manager of PSG. I know, but we, Twitter only lets you afford, doesn't it? Okay. I'm literally playing the rules of social media. Vote now on Twitter. These are the only ones. slightly younger listeners if you ever wondered where the Libertines got it from that's all I'm saying that's all I'm saying <laughs> nothing wrong with that of course have the right influences I no, say absolutely Peter Perrett's and the only ones another girl another planet more music very very soon ok you wrote this headline good for you we have a Lille problem um, very good like, like Eli Wallach the Spanish <laughs> like accent one. of Eli Wallach in the, in the spaghetti <laughs> west we have a li- oh it's also um, Scarface isn't it Say hello to my little friend. friend. <laughs> we have a little problem. Okay. Um, you're talking about Lille, that magnificently nutty club in France. Um, what's the latest? Well, okay, so we'll do Marcelo Bielsa in a minute, who's yes. still kicking around for his 15, Former manager went there under some kind of strange circumstances, sacked after he went home to a funeral in Argentina, now suing the club, but uh, we'll talk about that later. What, but actually, much more serious stuff going on at the club itself. So they drew 1-1 with Montpellier at the weekend. They now find themselves one point adrift to safety in the relegation zone in 19th. Now, remember, this is a club that won the, the league title only in 2011 with mm-hmm. Eden Hazard as part of, the, part of the side. So it finished 1-1. And incredible scenes, really, is fans ran onto the pitch and started try- some of them trying to kick the Lille players. So the... Hurling abuse of them. The Lille players head down the tunnel. Nicolas Pepe, who actually scored Lille's goal, was um, the focus of much of the <laughs> the vitriol from the supporters. And then there was just a crowd of about, I'd say, a, a couple of hundred outside the tunnel. And the players sort of barricaded them in. I mean, Lille's uh, Yassin Benzia said it was, for the younger players especially, locked in the, the change room. They thought they were going to get in. They were pretty scared. And, um, you know, we've seen scenes, scenes at West Ham this weekend. Well, they, um, sound, they sound tame by comparison with this. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely crazy. I mean, I think, I think it was more like caught them all off guard. I mean, look, a draw at home to Montpellier is not the kind of result they need. Montpellier mid-table, they need to start winning games to get themselves out of trouble. I think it's just a general feeling, particularly since uh, uh, Gerard Lopez took over at the football club, that things have just gone completely awry. There was so much hope a few months ago um, with Bielsa and the money spent and the new training ground and everything. And it's just gone completely wrong. And then Marcelo Bielsa, who I often speak very, very highly of, and I think not only has he been a great coach, but he's set up a whole generation of great coaches who are disciples of his. Um, but he's lost the first part. And, of course, the French legal system is, how can we put it, not like ours. It, you, 
Um, just because he's lost the first part of the case doesn't mean he's going to lose all of it. Exactly. What's happened? So Bielsa was suing Lille for effectively the remainder of his contract, looking at something like 16 million euros, which would effectively put the club into administration. Uh, Lille have already been told, no matter where you finish, if you haven't balanced the books, you, we're, we're going to relegate you. Bielsa left back in December and was looking for, sort of, it, the reports vary from 15 to 18 million euros. Yeah. Um, he lost the first legal procedure and it was because the, the, uh, Lille's lawyer said because he asked for such a preposterous amount of money, he's actually been ordered to pay Lille three hundred grand. I love that. So obviously, like you said, not done. You know, we, we've got uh, Lille uh, Bielsa and his lawyers will appeal it. Yeah. Anyone um, who watches Spiral know that uh, the French legal system it's it's a mystery to the mind of even the most intelligent person. Um, let's move on to what I think is the bigger story really in France this week because it's going to have massive repercussions at the club. What's been the reaction in the country to PSG's, uh, I thought, bloodless um, removal from the Champions League by Real Madrid? It was a surgical, and PSG for the second season running like children against one of the big teams. I think that's why there's been particular dismay. I mean, look, the Barcelona thing was just a complete shock to the gut. This is just overwhelming disappointment. You let us down, the front page of Le Keep, all that for that. Yeah. The front page of Le Parisien, um, uh, lots of summer transfer business on the way was their headlines, something along those lines. Unai Emery, before this weekend's game against Mets, was booed and whistled before the game. Julian Draxler in the week, one of his players, utterly dismayed that Emery didn't bring him on earlier. They've sort of wound that back a little bit. Emery said his his quotes were taken out of context. But clearly, just a complete mess. And Unai Emery, even though he's on, on his way to a treble, will not be there. Next no. season. I mean, it really was. Uh, we're talking about the Champions League, but we're going to look forward to games rather than look back. It really was a poor performance, wasn't it? I think. I think you were even saying how excited you were for oh, that game, like how well I poised got it was. Established and, in, in an armchair. And what's ready the to establishment involved? What's it? Tea. Yeah. At the moment, and my sister, because I was over in Ireland, <laughs> bringing me biscuits, which was a surprise, <laughs> but only added to, to the anticipation of the game. Um, yeah. Chocolate chip cookies, if you don't mind. Um, but the game itself was a total letdown. I find was, at yeah. times. I found my attention wandering from a, pro- from a top game of football because I could see nothing but Madrid winning. No, it never felt like PSG would get it. I mean, so they went into it needing two goals. What I didn't understand was, so Ronaldo scores that goal early in the second half and the whole place went flat and PSG think we're out. And you're like, well, the situation's not that different. You just need to start scoring goals. And also, if you've learned anything from the Barcelona debacle last season, that the home team, if it gets the crowd going, can do amazing yeah. things. I mean, we saw the ultras in there creating an incredible atmosphere, flares down one end of the stadium, relentless noise, I think, until the goal. And everything just went completely flat. And I think, you know, no Neymar, obviously a factor. Mm-hmm. Would Neymar playing have made a massive difference? I actually don't think so. There was ill-discipline through the team. Verratti sending off. Rabiot not tracking for the second goal. Verratti should be bombed out of the club. That was just ludicrous in that situation. Maybe I'm overreacting. But it was a ludicrous sending off. Whatever chance they had in the game was completely taken away. Oh, that killed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, proper stupidity. Um, PSG, by the way, won 5-0 at Mets uh, this weekend, but nobody, I guess, would have really cared much, except for Christopher Nkuku. Is that the man's name? Yeah, 20-year-old who played a little bit last season. He's now had two starts in a row in the league because there's been a Neymar's injury, uh, Cavani and Mbappe not fully fit in recent weeks. He's had two starts in a row, three goals, got two in the 5-0 home win over uh, Mets at the weekend. Timothy Ware got another 20 minutes. You and Andy were speaking about him last week, mm. I think. Um 
what was it, you know, Kylian Mbappe's been talking as well. He scored in the game, but he was mainly asked about Real Madrid again after the match. He said, mentally, we did as well as we could, which I think is an indictment on the squad and on you know, Emery as, as head coach. And, and they, they, need, they need a proper superstar manager, proven winner, if I might use that phrase, uh, in there. Uh, to because they've got so much money, they've got so many good players. They, something's not right with their with their, yeah. when they come up again. And of course, it's not helped by the fact that they don't have any real opposition in the French league. Uh, I don't think that's a help either. Monaco, speaking of which, won three one on Friday. That virtually guarantees them that victory at Strasbourg. Yeah, they have such a comfortable advantage now over Lyon in fourth. So Lyon in fourth are now nine points behind them. Monaco, yeah, they're they're pretty comfortable. Radamel Falcao coming back from injury. Stevan Jovetic has been scoring in recent weeks. So a three one victory at Strasbourg on on Friday night, and it's pivotal for Monaco to be in the Champions League for their transfer model of telling the best teenagers in world football, you come here. You'll play in the Champions League and we'll flog you for eight times the amount and you'll earn eight times the amount. So they, they have to qualify for the Champions League. Really. And if Marseille can win tonight, that would really um, be set a long way um, to establishing the, the, the automatic qualifiers for the Champions League. They are drawing 1-1 at the moment with Toulouse in Stade de Toulouse. Um, the other team who are very much in the running for that, of course, are Lyon, where, of course, there's another club you can... Well, after those wonderful, wonderful years where... Um, they, they won the title year after year after year and look like the most beautifully run club mm. in, in continental Europe. It's not the same anymore. Um, they got their first win uh, home to Caen since Muggate, which we described last, last <laughs> yes. week. Um, but that wasn't, that wasn't even the beginning of the events down there, was no, it? No, it was very funny this week. So the, I think they've got a camera planted in the press conference room at Lyon. And uh, midfielder Lucas Toussaint came in for his pre-match press conference, sat down at the desk, as you do, and there was no journalists in any of the chairs. So he sort of looks a bit confused. And then one of the journalists comes out and reads a pre-prepared prepared statement on behalf of all the journalists to say, um, because Jean-Michel uh, Ulas has been fairly critical of the press and, and the, the way they've been treating the team, the things they've been writing about. And the, the guy just re- you've got to find this video online because it's subtitled in English and he's just like... Basically, we're sick of it and we're not going to the press conference. So they all leave and Toussaint sits there and goes, well, I'll just go then. <laughs> just gets up, just leaves the room and that's that. So, um, yeah, very funny. I mean, Leon looks still in the hunt for the Champions League. will be in Europe next season, but hit and miss this season for sure. And very quickly, the lace on Mario Balotelli, hashtag Forza Mario. Nice winning handily 5-2 today. But no goals for, for Mario. No, he didn't play. Right. And this comes on to my hero of the week. Alassane Player, who scored See what he's four done times. Show four, I exactly. like that. That's Perpetual. very good. Four goals for Alassane Player in that game. He's my uh, hero of the week. He uh, showed great glimpses last season. Was linked with bigger clubs. Um, another standout performance from him in that five-two win at Gankomp. And some quite big clubs looking at Mario Balotelli and hoping to nab him for nothing at the end of his contract, which is this summer. Disappointing news for them in something he said. Yeah, he uh, quotes show that he wants to go back to Italy. And he said that going back to Milan for a third time is probably not the best option. So he sort of fancies Juve or Napoli, just the best two teams in Italy. Yeah, if, it's not, if, if you don't mind. Good I'll luck with that then. One of those. Yeah, thank you very much <laughs> indeed. Uh, that's the latest uh, from um, France. And coming up next, we'll be talking about what's going on in Germany. And remember, you've got your music homework and the poll. Go and vote in the poll at TalkSport, at Danny Kelly Words, and at Rob T. Daly on Twitter. Germany next. I'm going to send him to outer space.
Continuing our uh, songs about space, Prodigy, of course, and Outer Space. Itself a cover of Max Romeo's song, Back in the Day Up Jamaica. Um, keep your song coming in, please, your, your requests. 81089, and at Danny Kelly Words. And, of course, I love that music fans are as angry as ever. Rob Daly, someone's actually phoned in, phoned into the station. What? Greg, well done, Greg. Phoned in to have a go at you taking the mickey out of Jamiroquai. Well, I didn't take the mic out. I took the mic out of Pat. Yeah, I think it's pretty much the same thing, doesn't it? (laughs) I normally like to back you, Rob, but if I might quote um, Robert De Niro um, from Goodfellas, yeah, you insulted him just a little bit. Just a little (laughs) bit. It's fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) When they mash up Billy Bats, just a little bit, just a little bit. Keep those requests coming, please. We'll play as much good music as we can. Time now uh, to go to talk about what happened in in your um, patch of European football. Um, uh, Germany and your headline is um, Rollicking Rolls Royce rides relentlessly to Russia. Oh, you've had this one. You've had two hours. I've added two hours. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, a good I one. Have. I, I really have. Um, because well, we'll come on to Marco Royce in just a second. I suppose we should make the note that uh, Bayern, um, who we follow, of course, and of course Hamburg, who are one of our real um, kind of obsessions here on Trans Europe Express, because this is the year they really are going to go down. I think. Um, six nil whacking in the oh, Allianz Arena for I them. Just, I knew it. I I I, I never bet, Danny. But mm-hmm. this one, I saw the Bayern team. Jupp Heynck has put out his strongest eleven. So they're through in the Champions League yes. in the week. Five nil up against Besiktas, and I think Bayern just looked at it and went, "Oh, we'd love to just absolutely thump these today." And they even missed a penalty in there. Robert Lewandowski scored three. He even had time to miss a penalty and all that. His first penalty miss. He'd scored his previous seventeen, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, but uh, absolutely brilliant. Two goals for Franck Ribery, one for Ian Robin. Easy peasy, 20 points clear at the top of the league. And as you know, our plan is when they go down, the big clock that's in the Hamburg Stadium that shows how long they've been in the top level of German football, i.e. forever, mm. um, we're going to make a bid for it and have it here in the studio. What do you think, it's nice. what do you think it's, I mean, the arrogance to put that in the stadium in the first place is unbelievable, isn't it? Well, it's asking for it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You'd reju- and Jinx touch wood every like two seconds of your life after you put that in the stadium. It's unbelievable. Well. Uh, but it looked it looked great in here. It yes, looked great. It would, it would look fantastic. Well, in here. we've got the, the standard radio clock. Um, you know, every radio studio has them. But if we could do it on a massive clock that had been in the Hamburg, what would stadium. you? What would you do? So that was obviously uh, how long they've been in the Bundesliga. What for yeah. Talksport? What would be the best like a clock? Ticking down to like the last thing that did, like you know, the trademark thing in an office. Last time we had an accident, what was the talk sport thing? Uh, um, the last time I got brought, I got got up to do the breakfast show at ten past five because Alan couldn't do it. <laughs> Cheltenham next week, I'm going to sleep in my clothes. Uh, <laughs> or the last time that I mistook all those Italian and Argentinian forwards whose names begin with an I. Absolutely. <laughs> Get sleep in your clothes, good. Uh, yeah, I, I do. When it's Cheltenham, I sleep in my clothes. Oh, and Martin, get it out of the way, yeah. Uh, um, talk to me about Marco Royce then. A real change yeah. here. Um, clubs talking about buying him, contract coming to an end, constantly injured. Suddenly, he's back in the Bayern team. Sorry, in the Dortmund team. He's doing well. And he signed a new contract. New contract to 2023. So that's essentially the end of his career. Yeah, yeah. he's been out for the last eight months with a knee injury. He's come back in recent weeks. The thing with Marco Royce is he, he goes away, has these long injury runs, and he comes back, and he looks so sharp. There's no bedding in period. It's it's instantaneous, on the level of the game, scoring goals, captain the side since his return, approaching 200 appearances since he went back to Dortmund. They when he was a kid, they they got rid of him, thought he wasn't good enough. I I you know deep down, I think when he's fully fit, he's definitely in the Germany eleven. He's one of Germany's two or three best players. 
but you can't rely on him because you know he gets he gets crocked. In great interview with, with him this week on the Bundesliga website talking about how he's aiming for the World Cup. Him and Yogi Love in constant communication. He definitely wants to bring him. He's missed a couple of major tournaments through injury. And he probably has missed his big, big club move. You know, you look sure. at Hummels, Lewandowski, Goethe. Everyone's had a go from Dortmund. Shinji Kagawa got his move to Manchester United. Um, I think Royce has, you know, is probably settled and happy. Granted a good World Cup. Maybe people would be talking about him. But I think he's going to stay at Dortmund for the foreseeable. And the aforementioned Dortmund were involved in an extraordinary game with Frankfurt today. So they, they were leading uh, 1-0 at half-time, everything looking pretty comfortable. A Marco Russo's goal, not Marco Royce, mm-hmm. Marco Russo's goal, putting them ahead after he was put under pressure by Marco Royce. That's right. And then uh, then in the second half, Frankfurt came out, uh, made a tactical change. Jonathan de Guzman, former Swansea midfielder, came on, just added a bit more balance in midfield. They got themselves level through Jovic, brought on back to Dortmund. He scores... Then Danny Bloom scores a 90th-minute equaliser for Frankfurt. This is a big Champions League game, by the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Frankfurt are fifth at the moment, yeah. And then Batshuayi scores again in added time. And, and Batshuayi, great goal-scoring start, of course, for Dortmund. But so much excitement about Goethe, Schürrler and uh, Royce. They've been nicknamed Das Trio. You Not the do, best. You can do better than that. You can yeah. do better than that, surely. Um, th- th- those three started up front today. They brought him back to Hawaii and he got the business done. OK, well, let me just say that on the back of that, um, Bayern, of course, running away with it. In the race for the Champions League places, uh, Schalke, who won this weekend, have got 46 points. Dortmund, who we just heard about there, have got 45. Um, Leverkusen, who also uh, won, have got 44. Um, and uh, I, Frankfurt, who we heard about there, who lost, of course, that game in the last mm. minute, have got 42. And Leipzig, who only drew this weekend, they've got 40. So... Uh, Six points covering the five teams behind Bayern Munich and three places in the Champions League. A fantastic race there. The other big story, I think, we've been paying particular attention to a player called Leon Bailey. Um, next big breakthrough player, perhaps, in the in the Bundesliga. Qualified to play for... Well, this is the mystery now, Danny. Because everyone thought he's qualifies for England, qualifies for Malta, qualifies for Belgium, and qualifies potentially for Germany. I don't know if he qualifies for any of them. Because I've been doing some digging. Ah, we're doing some digging, and I'm glad that we're coming up to a break very soon because there's a lot to get through here. But basically, he doesn't uh, qualify for Belgium. First of all, let me say this man deserves some kind of medal. First of all, <laughs> he's tried to work out the background to this Leon Bailey story, and yeah. later on, he will be bringing you what's about to happen in Belgium, and he claims to understand what's about to happen in Belgium, which each year is one of the highlights of Trans Europe Express. Now, Leon Bailey. So he, he doesn't qualify, it would appear, for any of these. He's refusing to play for Jamaica currently. He's represented the under-23s once or something like that. His stepfather, also his agent, seems to have a hankering for a position within the Jamaican FA. He feels it's run unfairly, and I don't know if he's sort of using uh, Leon Bailey as leverage into the FA by saying... Uh, Leon's not considering playing for you because of the setup. Maybe if you took on my ideas, Leon would consider otherwise. Um, so at the moment, he's even said Leon Bailey might play for Germany. Now in England, it's five years. I think Manuel Almunia, maybe Arteta, even at points, were talked about spending enough Cudicini. time here. Cudicini, yeah, sure. Yeah. You need to. It's eight years in Germany, so he'd be twenty-seven, twenty-eight by the time he'd be eligible for Germany. It just seems like nonsense, and I think there's a lot of sort of politics going on with Liam Bailey's international future. Why? Here. Did, why did we think he was qualified to play for England? Because his his grandparents are both both have British passports, but weren't born in Britain. So that doesn't qualify. Then, doesn't qualify. One of one of his, his grandfather fought in uh, World War Two, and. Uh, but because they weren't born in in Britain, not enough. 
So um, I think he'd have to move here and play it for five years. So to, essentially, to it's Jamaica or residential qualification. It would appear so. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Who's your star of the week in Germany? Serge Gnabry. He'll be playing for Bayern next season. Great goal and a three-nil win for Hoffenheim over Wolfsburg, which keeps him in the hunt for the Champions League. He's in wonderful form. I'd love to see him at the World Cup. What's the chance of that? Do you think they've got a lot of forward talent? Haven't they? Marco Royce coming back doesn't help him, ironically. So I wouldn't back on Serge Gnabry. Definitely going to the World Cup. Okay, let us just give you before we go to another break. Let me just tell you the scores in our three big games uh, tonight. Well, in fact, the one in Portugal has also kicked off. I think it's still nil-nil between Pakistan, Ferreira, and Porto. It's still Athletic Bilbao two, Leganes nil, Inter Milan nil, Napoli nil. They just started the second half of that one, and the big game in France uh, to lose one, Marseille one. You're listening to Trans Europe Express. I'm Danny Kelly. He's Rob Daly, and as I often say, and I will say it because I mean it, Sunday night you could be doing a lot of things. We really love the fact that you're listening uh, to this thing this confection i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That we put together here on a Sunday evening. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sports. Back to Trans Europe Express here on Talksport. I'm Danny Kelly. Alongside me for the next hour, uh, Rob Daly, uh, Bundesliga commentator, European football expert, top man on the island in general. Um, during the next 60 minutes, we'll review and preview everything that's happened in the Champions League and the Europa League uh, this, this week. Um, we've got a European cult hero for you, Simon Calder, Britain's leading travel reporter. We'll talk to you about another uh, town or city in Russia where the World Cup will be happening. Don't forget, every game is live here on Talk Sport. And we'll bring you lakes from Turkey, Portugal, Holland, Greece, Belgium, more about that later, Poland, and indeed Croatia. And then we'll have our World Cup preview. We'll draw two more teams out of a hat for Rob to make his uh, pronouncements about their prospects and the players you should be looking out for. We've still got our poll on going. I'll tell you about that later. And more songs, please, about space and planets. It's going to be a magnificent hour. Welcome to Trans Europe Express. On the show, so easy. Need a person in my 
thing is, Rob, we could spend a lot of time looking back on the, on the Champions League and the uh, Europa League. I actually rather look forward because there's so much going on uh, this week. Let's start, if we may, on Tuesday um, with the games in the, in the Champions League. Um, obviously, Manchester United's nil-nil draw in Sevilla makes them favourites. But those nil-nil draws have often had a, they've oftentimes in the past come back to bite teams, haven't they? They certainly have. Um, I think I think you know we, we think back to the first leg and David de Gea's outstanding performance to keep Sevilla at bay. Um, not dissimilar to what we saw from Neto for Valencia this weekend in, in their two-nil victory. Uh, Sevilla, when they've lost this season, they've had some absolute thumpings, and I'm actually. Hugely back in Manchester United to get through I this tie. Through, yeah. um, Severe with the disappointing loss to, Villar- uh, to Valencia this weekend, which has killed their Champions League ambitions for qualifying again, unless they win this tournament. 0 nil's not a bad scoreline from home. You know, you score an away goal, you put a bit of pressure on United. But uh, they come into this off the back of three massive wins, if you're thinking Chelsea, uh, the Palace game I was at on Monday. What a game, uh, by the uh, way. Oh, unbelievable game. And then, uh, of course, against Liverpool this weekend. OK, well, then that takes us to Roma against uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. Roma do have the away goal, but go into the tie, 2-1 uh, down. They do. Um, they also have, they'll have a very fresh Ed in Dzeko, who didn't play this weekend for Roma in that, that 3-0 victory. They played Chick up front, who hasn't had much game time, so Dzeko should uh, be back in the starting eleven for Roma. I'm also backing them to turn this around, saying that Shakhtar, we haven't touched on the Ukrainian league yet, but they got a 3-0 win at uh, Vorskla at the, on Friday night. Two goals for Facundo Ferreira, who's scored how many so far this season? 19 in 23 games, the Argentine. Marlos with a penalty. They're a very good team, Shakhtar. I mean, they were so organised. And the main thing I was hearing from people who covered the game was how impressed everyone was with Shakhtar's discipline. Players like Bernard, who's promised for a long time to deliver the Brazilian wide man. Um, but I still think Roma will have enough to enough quality to get through this tie. I mean, one of the, one of the issues with Shakhtar, and I, I, mean, I realise they're in the Ukrainian league, but when I was growing up, East European club sides occasionally had brilliant, brilliant teams. We're going to hear about Hydric Split a little later in the programme because their players under the communist regimes didn't travel and weren't playing in the West. Um, so occasionally, um, you know, you'd have a Yugoslavian side or a, a, a Georgian side, sure. a Dynamo Tbilisi team. Um, and, and all the rest of it that would come through. Now, what we have is a lot of money concentrated in Russia, and we see so much activity, players coming and going, and top managers going there, and all the rest of it. None of it which is reflected in these European tournaments, really. No. I mean, we haven't really seen Russian teams do very well in, in Europe. We've got three in the round of 16, which is the most in the Europa League this year. But, well, there's uh, a lot of East European teams in there. We'll talk about it in just a exactly. second. But, but I, in, in some ways, it needs someone like Shakhtar or one of the Moscow teams uh, if we're going yeah. to almost justify the amount of money being spent on Brazilian footballers um, yeah. to go through well, the last stages. That's the thing, and you, you were talking earlier about how much of a mystery a lot of these teams were. They'd just come, yes. come out of their countries and destroy an English club out of nowhere. Retreat and, back and, over, the, over the border. Uh, exactly. I mean, of course, so this came to a peak, of course, when Red Star won the Champions League. Sure. Um, you just thought, look at, the, look at this, the, <laughs> the, the, the bunch of players they've got. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that was like... The, and Stoyer reached the final as well, didn't they? Stoyer Bucharest. Yes, yep, yep, yep. So they, they were once in there. In, in, they had these generations of good players who never left the country. Top coaches, as always in East Europe, Eastern mm. Europe. Um, but I, th- I think bizarrely, the move to capitalism um, and the money pumped in by oligarchs has not yet been reflected in these European tournaments. No, and I think even Arsene Wenger had said, I think about. 
10, 15 years ago that a Russian club will win it in the next five years. Mm. Like There was general expectation that someone like Zenit, especially yes. who have won the UEFA Cup, yes. would go on and succeed. And I mean, Shakhtar have been consistent performers in the Champions League. They've had good runs into knockout stages of competition, but they're not really a mystery Eastern European team. As no. you correctly said, it's a group of absolute bedazzling Brazilian superstars like William we see now and Fernandinho that we see now in the yeah. Premier League. And they have generally not... You know, uh, Eastern European coaches. Paulo Fonseca, of course, is the man in charge at Shakhtar Donetsk with them top of the table as well. Linked with Everton. Yes. Yeah. The only name so far that uh, if Allardyce does go, that's be, uh, his name is the one that keeps bubbling is up. It, is it? That's yeah. it. All oh, right. Okay, interesting. Let's talk about the Wednesday, of course, a live game here. First of all, I say Besiktas. I'll get played Bayern Munich. Um, mm. Nothing to stand back, nothing to see here. <laughs> which takes us on to the live game here on Talk Sport. And it, should, it could be a rip-roaring game of football. Um, Barcelona against Chelsea, a one-all draw at Stamford Bridge, but Chelsea by no means the the worst team in that game. No, they weren't. And it was that moment where I think it was Andreas Christensen, Christensen. played it across the ball, or the ball across his own penalty area to the one man you really don't even Iniesta to supply Messi. Um, what what might worry if you if you're just tuning in is the fact that Lionel Messi didn't play this weekend in Barcelona's win at Malaga, so he's going to be fully fresh, buoyed by the birth of his third son. And um, I, I just think, I think Barcelona will get this one done as well. A lot of talk about Antonio Conte going to Paris Saint-Germain this week. Obviously, it's our poll today as well. And I think he's leading it currently. But um, the front page of L'Equipe said that Conte's agents meeting with um, Paris Saint-Germain at some point this week as well. That's what the French papers are, are saying. I think we're pretty sure he's leaving at the end of the season. And I think Barcelona will, will edge this one at the camp now. Yeah, and they say that game is live for you at uh, it's a, it's a seven forty five kickoff. But join us about seven o'clock for all the build up of that game between Barcelona and Chelsea. I've left some minutes actually, five or so minutes, because I really do want to get into uh, the Europa League because after the first round of ties, um, several of them are absolutely acutely balanced. Um, not Locomotive and Atletico. Atletico is three 0 up in that one. Not Pilsen and Sporting Lisbon. I think Lisbon have too much having won two 0 at home. Arsenal, brilliant performance by Arsenal uh, at a, a previously very, very good AC Milan, but uh, the Gunners will go through there. Uh, Leon are one up against Siska, but the other ties are all incredibly uh, narrowly balanced. I think Bilbao and Marseille, 3-1 up to Marseille, but that way goal for Bilbao could easily come into play. It certainly could. A ludicrous penalty really given for a handball against Adil Rami. The penalty taken by Aris Adaris, scored by Aris Adaris, unsurprisingly, and that gives Bilbao hope. What I will say about Marseille's performance in the first leg, was the brilliance of Dimitri Payet, who was scored an incredible goal himself where the ball was whipped into the box, not cleared properly, chested it, volleyed it, top corner. He was creating numerous champ chances for Ocampos, who scored for Marseille tonight in their, their game against Toulouse. Where well, they, they could very much do with another. Absolutely right. Florian Tovan is in blisteringly good form. He looks a shadow of the player who tried to make it in the Premier League. T-shirt, time for the T-shirt. And um, I I, I think Marseille will still eke this one out. But Athletic Bilbao, as Lagan is a funny out tonight, 2-0 down there, are a tough prospect at at San Mamez. So that will be tight, I think, even though it's 3-1 to Marseille. And speaking of clubs who were big back in the day in the old Soviet Empire, Dinamo Kiev against Lazio is very finely poised. That 2-2 draw 
in Italy totally surprised me. Yep, very impressive result from uh, the Ukrainian side who are, are not keeping pace with Shakhtar quite at the moment in the Ukrainian Premier League. In Chiro Mobile, I mean, we've talked about him already, 24 league goals. I want to say he's into the mid-30s now in all competitions, largely down to his Europa League form. I still think that Lazio will do enough there, but 2-2 away from home... That is a tricky situation for them. Let me just say that amazing goal by Chiro Mobile is on your Twitter feed, isn't yeah, it? Rob Daily, uh, yeah, Rob T. Daly. Rob T. Daly, go there now. And we're too lazy to put it on Talk Sport, but you can go to Rob T. Daly <laughs> um, and you'll be... Uh, but we are. Let's be, let's be frank. Yeah, let's just be honest. Come on. Absolutely. Come on. Rob T. Rob put on. it up there. Drive people there. You'll have a quarter of a million followers. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> yeah. Very, very quickly. Um, I guess I say, I expect Lisbon with their 2-0 win to uh, win in Pilsen. Um, Zenit St. Petersburg against RB Leipzig. Now, Leipzig um, handily placed for the qualify for the Champions League, but this would be a good competition for them to go a long way in. Um, they've got their work cut out at Zenit. They do, of course. Leipzig's first ever European campaign. Naby Keita, by the way, Danny, on, on Leipzig, has rediscovered his form. He was absolutely wonderful against Zenit on Thursday, creating a very good goal for Timo Werner. They were on, two on his n- way to Liverpool, for those who have forgotten. Of yeah, course. He's already signed. So 2-0 up at that point, and Domenico Crescita, the Italian defender who's leaving Zenit, I think he said this week at the end of the season, flicked in a glorious free kick. Really against the run of play, but it gives Roberto Mancini's side a massive lifeline. And Mancini, you know, who's been, I think, sort of flirting around the Italian job and suggesting that maybe he's a candidate for it long term, he really needs a good good aspect to his season because Zenit is short domestically in the Russian Premier League. They're probably not going to win that. A good run in Europe would remind everyone about him. So that goes uh, to Zenit's new stadium on Thursday. This is why I'm looking forward to it because I suspect both those clubs um, need progress in the Europa League to say we are progressing as sure, clubs. Absolutely right. Um, let's talk about another one then. Um, and well, the shock result of the first. I mean, with all due respect to Arsenal's victory in the San Siro, the shock result of the round of 16 first legs, where Dortmund lost to, to Red Bull Salzburg. Sorry, RB not article that. RB Salzburg. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if we can do it for them. I don't know if it's banned in Austria. So I think I think they can be Red Bull Salzburg, unlike. RB Leipzig, which are Rasenball Sport Leipzig. But yes. they did win 2-1 in Dortmund. Amazing result, and they did deserve it from what I saw. Two goals from Valon Berisha um, put Red Bull Salzburg ahead. Dortmund pulled one back through Ondo Schuller, who's found his form again. Interesting about Valon Berisha, uh, a player who I interviewed uh, a few years ago when he was part of the Norway national team. Went to Oslo, interviewed him and Mats Molodali, who was formerly at Cardiff. And he now plays for Kosovo. He's one of these who's switched since Kosovo were given UEFA accreditation. But I was asking him about playing for Salzburg and um, why they were able to keep hold of very good players because the Austrian Bundesliga, you know, nowhere near as good as the German Bundesliga. And he said, he was talking particularly about a striker, Jonathan, at the time, who was scoring loads of goals. And he says, it's just such a nice club and place and lifestyle and everything that many players, even though they could earn more money, just think, no, we want to stay. And that's how Salzburg build a good team, and it's how they're able to compete with Borussia Dortmund, a side that has infinitely more resources than they do. Yeah, I mean, Austrian football um, never quite uh, steps up to any particularly uh, high standard, and the clubs don't do that well in Europe. But, but they always have a soft spot for them from the days when they were led the curve. As football started to t- bring in more advertising and sponsorship, it was Austrian clubs who absolutely led the race when you were still at school. Um, particularly things like the clubs to change their name every two years, depending right. on the sponsor were. 
um, and Salzburg <laughs> and Rapid Vienna became all kinds of other things, Cornflakes Vienna and stuff like that. <laughs> and as well, remember in the days in Formula One when they used to have 20 different sponsors on their, on their yeah, fl- like flame retardant yeah. suits? Yeah. Austrian League often had 10, 12 different sponsors <laughs> on the shirt. They really went for it. Um, as I suppose to try and catch up with the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah. Not sure that they've done that yet. So that's our preview of what's coming up in the Champions League and the Europa League. Don't forget that game on Wednesday night. A massive, massive game. Uh, live from the new Camp. Barcelona against Chelsea. That's live here on Talk Sport. And, of course, part of the fallout of the Champions League in recent uh, days is that Paris Saint-Germain will definitely be looking for a new manager come the summer. Unai Emery will be on his way. And we've asked you, um, from a field of about a dozen international superstar managers, who should be and who will be the next manager of Paris at the moment on the poll, which is at TalkSport, um, at Danny Kelly Words, or at Rob T. Daly on Twitter. All three are the places you can vote the moment Maurizio Pochettino 15% of you Diego Simeone 17% Arsene Wenger 29% but Antonio Conte way out in front at the moment with 39% but you can go to all those places on Twitter that I just mentioned and vote now and I think it's gonna be a long long time the touchdown brings me round and get too fine I'm not the man they think I In the middle of the week after Cristiano Ronaldo's two fantastic goals for Real Madrid, his coach Zinedine Zidane, no slouch himself, said that he thought that the Real Madrid striker came from another galaxy. That's why our song homework tonight is songs about space and planets and stuff like that. This, of course, is Elton John Rocketman. You can uh, text your request still to 81089 and tweet me directly at Danny Kelly Words. Rob, um, getting quite tense now at the, uh, at the San Siro. It's still Inter nil, Napoli nil. I presume um, both coaches now making their changes. Yeah, Marek Hamšík has just been brought off by Napoli. He's only scored six goals this season, and I just wonder if they're thinking we really need a bit more of a goal-scoring threat. Zielinski comes on into midfield in place of him. Napoli just had a very good chance. 20 minutes to go there at San Siro at 0-0. Dries Mertens edge of the penalty area, cut into his right foot. Tried to curl it into the corner, but actually just hit it flat past the post. So uh, still 0-0 currently in Milan. Yeah, as I say, with Juventus' uh, fantastic win um, during the weekend, they, they Napoli, if they, you know, every point is critical now in the race for the Italian title. They would, you know, it's a difficult place to go and get get those points at, at Inter, um, but they really will be looking to get a winner in the last 19 minutes of that game. We'll keep you uh, bang up to everything that's happening. Marseille probably need to do better than they're doing as well. It's two lose, one Marseille, one after an hour there, and two early goals right there. Bill Bow still sees them. Two goals up against Leganes in Spain. We'll get the latest from Portugal as soon as we can. Um, it's time now, though, for a very special, I'm mean, looking forward to this hugely, uh, European football cult hero. Incredible, incredible Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, now this is a player who um, played for some pretty big clubs, including a long, long spell at, uh, well, a reasonably long spell at Barcelona. Tell us about the player you're going to uh, talk about tonight. So this week we're going for Enrico Castro, better known as uh, Kini, a former Barcelona and Spain striker who died last week, age 68. OK, so the fact that he, that he, of his recent death that has brought um, his, not, his amazing 
uh, the amazing story of his career on and off the field uh, into the uh, the limelight. And why don't you um, why don't you just take us through it? So uh, started at Sporting Gijon, signed um, for Barcelona. Went back to Sporting Gijon at the end of his career, won many titles. There's great clips of him on YouTube that I was scouring through today playing with Maradona. He was nicknamed the Wizard, scored something like 219 goals in 448 games over the course of his career. Spain international and um, won a number of titles as well with, with Barcelona, not a league title. No. And, and, uh, the AFA Cup in 82, I think, was probably exactly the height right. of his career. Exactly. Yeah. Now, part of the reason he didn't win the league title is because of a very bizarre set of circumstances that happened I think in 1984 when he was actually kidnapped he was uh, driving along part uh, parts over I'll just make sure on behalf of the listeners listening <laughs> on crackly middle wave a medium wave he was kidnapped he was kidnapped uh, after after a defeat to uh, Hercules and he was back to get in his car head home and two guys said, uh, pointed a gun at him and said, "Get in the van." So um, he the was, word the word "van" is the clue here. That things <laughs> aren't going well, isn't exactly. it? So he was he was actually kidnapped for twenty five days. Can you imagine this? So like Barcelona is one of Barcelona's absolute star players was kidnapped for twenty five days. Now his abductors were a bit bungly, a bit home alone bad guy kind of thing, because when they actually had kidnapped him and were looking for a ransom, they didn't quite know. Who to call? Do you call the Barcelona president? They didn't have a number for him. So eventually, Kinney gave him the number for his wife and said, well, you best phone her. That's a starting point. He's having to give the kidnapping <laughs> instructions on how you do <laughs> the extortion. Unbelievable. So they asked, bless him. they asked for a huge amount of money and they were on the phone to negotiators because it was going to be paid. And uh, they said, oh, we want 10 million, whatever. They'd already agreed it. And the guy said, you said 100 million before. And he went, oh, yeah, yeah, 100 million. That's what I meant, 100 million. We want 100 million. So they couldn't even remember the actual ransom they asked for and nearly divided it by 10. Eventually, um, they were caught. It it took 25 days. Um, Barcelona had to play in the meantime without him. They lost three and four games. They lost their grip on the league title, conceding essentially to um, Real Sociedad. Police found him, you know, unshaven in the uh, in a basement, I think, in these uh, where these guys were keeping him. And just a truly bizarre story. And I sort of half knew the story. And he started to read the details. Great piece as well by Sidlow in the Guardian on this in the last few days. And you're just like, I don't know how this. How this happened? Now, imagine. I mean, this is this is this is in living memory. Imagine a Barcelona player, the leading goal scorer at the club, being kidnapped. Now, imagine the furore. Yeah. Imagine the Stuck international. In the... He wouldn't have been. Well, I mean, they wouldn't. Have, there's no place in in Catalonia that you could hide him, is there? No. So he was locked in the basement of a car workshop in northeast Zaragoza. That's where they decided to. To, to have him but he, he, he came out and a few but days he was okay that's the he was okay thing. he was yeah, okay and four days later he insisted on playing again but they said no you can't play it's way too soon uh, and they did eventually go on to um, win the cup that year he scored against his former club Sporting Gijon so um, ultimately a happy, a happy ending and after his career he stayed he went back to Sporting Gijon five times top scorer in Spain and he went back to Sporting Gijon, where he still he basically worked as uh, as an ambassador type figure around the football club until he had a heart attack near his home. Um, yeah, not too long ago, a few days ago. And I think um, the final cherry on this cake is that he said afterwards that he forgave the kidnappers. Yeah, he, I, I, that that was one of my favourite bits. He, you know, I, there was a lot of nice comments about him, Danny and. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Villa, Andres Iniesta, Lino Messi were all saying the most sincere, nice things about him. 
um, Oviedo born and um, yeah, very humble and incredibly forgiving because I don't think I could do that. Well, and thank uh, you very much for giving us the ins and outs there of an amazing story. Uh, our European cult football hero, uh, Keeney, and for reminding us there were days uh, not so long ago when Real Sociedad could win the title <laughs> exactly in Spain. Right. Yeah. Incredible, incredible Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now then, now then, now then, as they used to say, it's happening in Portugal. Um, Porto losing at Ferreira. Yes, 1-0. Uh, as things stand, Porto playing in the evening kickoff. Of course, they they were held to that 0-0 draw by Liverpool in the week. Actually, restored a bit of respectability they, they, for they're them. Just, they're into the first five minutes of the second half, so 50 minutes in. And that result, if it holds, will have huge ramifications. Miguel, Ferre- Miguel Vieira uh, with the opening goal there. We'll talk about Portugal in just a little while. But now it's time um, for, remember, of course, every game from the World Cup in Russia is live here on TalkSport. But if you have the pleasure of going out there then, um, you'll want to know about every stadium and every city and town where the World Cup is being held. Who better to tell you than Britain's leading travel expert, Simon Calder? Stadion. Stadium. Top prize for the best name of a stadium has to go to the one in Saransk, the Mordovia Arena. Mordovia sounds like a made-up Eastern Bloc country. In fact, it's a real Eastern Bloc country, a republic in the middle of Russia. And among the 44,000 fans will be lots of Mordvin people who fall into two tribes, those who speak Moshka and those whose mother tongue is Erzia. Anyway, work on the Mordovia Arena began in 2010, the 1000th anniversary, as you'll recall of the unification of the Mordovian people with Russia's other ethnic groups. The stadium is right in the rather bleak heart of downtown. You'll spot it as the very large orange object, like a stadium sponsored by EasyJet uh, might look. To show how thin the population is after the World Cup, the capacity will shrink to just 25,000 which is still rather more than the average home gate for FC Mordovia Saransk whose home ground it will become Matches to see. It's not going to be the most exciting venue for matches. Let's have a look at what we've got. 16th of June, Group C, Peru versus Denmark, OK. Group H on the 19th of June, Colombia versus Japan. And I think there might be some uh, interest in Group B on the 25th of June, Iran versus Portugal. But, ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the least popular game of the entire tournament. 28th of June, 2018. In Saransk, in the Mordovia Stadium, Panama versus Tunisia in Group G. By that stage, let's hope England and Belgium are already at the top, and this is just who is going to come third rather than fourth in Group G. We'll see. And that's your lot. After that, Mordovia, Saransk goes back to normal life, which, trust me, is not as much fun as you might hope. Rating Putishestri Talksporten. Talksport travel rating. It's been a struggle to find any reason to go to Saransk. I've got the 800 page Lonely Planet Guide to Russia, and they don't even mention it. 
FIFA says there are many museums in the Republic. The largest ones include the Mordovian Republican United Museum of Regional Studies and the Museum of Mordvinian Culture in Saransk. I think um, perhaps more appealing is the fact that the airport is only two miles from the city centre, so if you do find yourself there, you can get out quick. And if you find yourself looking for something to do before that great Panama-Tunisia match, there's the Lenin Cultural Park. Yay! But you'll need somewhere to stay. And on TripAdvisor, someone has actually written, how can the World Cup be given to Russia and be put up in a city like Saransk if they don't have hotel rooms? Well, there is going to be a brand new Mercure Saransk Hotel. I can't see beds available even for the night of the Panama-Tunisia game. Talk sport travel rating out of 5 for Saransk. I'm not allowed to give it zero, so instead I'll give it one reluctant star. I was dancing when I was 12. I was dancing when I was 12. I was dancing when I was out. I was dancing when I was out. No point in me being at the controls, is there, unless I get my choice. This is T-Rex and Cosmic Dancer, as we do more songs about uh, space, planets, etc. Celebrating Zidane's comment about Cristiano Ronaldo that he's from another galaxy. This is Mark and the Boys. Is it strange to dance as you? I dance myself right out the room. Now following us tonight um, at 10, Sean Custis, Martin Lipton and Mike Parry are along with the headliners, Premier League cult heroes. I wonder where they got that idea from. I hear it's a good show, though. OK, Rob Daly, we've got to get through a lot of European leagues now. You've also promised us that you can explain Belgium, which uh, will, if you do, I'm going to make, you're going to be the recipient of the first ever Trans-Europe Express medal. I'm going to get a medal struck, and oh, next time you're in, love I will present it to you formally, <laughs> um, because that's important. Um, and we've got so we're trying to get to the bottom of what's going on in Greek football as we are every week. Oh, uh, me. I mean, we're hearing that the word madness has been put into my <laughs> into my headphones about what's going. On. Will League Greece still last? Because uh, because I need people to try and gather up exactly what's going on there. Let's start in Turkey. Um, well, uh, very close race for the title. What's been going on there? Okay, hold on. Let me get the list. There's too much going on here. I'll chuck the grease out. Let's get Turkey going. Okay, so Galatasaray have won this afternoon. They got a 2-1 victory over Konya Sport. Late, late, late. Baffer Dimigomis on the score sheet. He got the goal for 1-1. Late goal for Galatasaray. And they're now topped by a clear three points because Istanbul Besiktas here, favourite of this show, Somehow lost 4-1 to Alanya Sport on Friday night. Alanya Sport in the bottom half of the table. An incredible victory for them. And it leaves uh, Istanbul Besiktas here, who missed out, of course, last year to Besiktas for that league title. Now chasing them down three points behind them. But it's still incredibly tight up there. Yeah, Besiktas uh, won, um, which means that... Uh, and Fenerbahce won as well. So yeah. means the top four are covered by six points as they head into the latter stages of the, uh, the race there for the title in Turkey. Um, Portugal, um, sporting um, play tomorrow. Benfica beat Deportivo Aves 2-0. And we thought, well, it'd be business as usual tonight with Porto 
uh, playing. But as uh, last time we looked, Ferreira were beaten by a goal to nil. Yeah, Passos de Ferreira, second bottom in the uh, in the Portuguese Premier Liga, and they are winning. That just doesn't one happen nil. in Portugal. No, Miguel Vieira with the only goal. I wonder so if far. a roof will come off one of the stands and they have to replay the last half hour. <laughs> You'd imagine so. I mean, yeah. look, that last week we saw that victory for Porto against Sporting, and you're thinking, well, they're, 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 it's going to happen. It's going to yeah. happen. Benfica win. If they do lose tonight, two points the gap between Porto and Benfica. Very much on. Uh, Jonas scoring for Benfica, by the way, this weekend. 31 and, goals in the league this season for Benfica. And, and if Pacos do hold on, that'll be the first defeat of the season for Porto. So this is a huge, huge half an hour Absolutely right. uh, for the team currently top of the table. Now, uh, have we got the fanfare ready? Because every year, as you know here on Trans-Europe Express, there comes a point where the Belgium League, which meanders along quite happily, some good <laughs> players do their thing and goals are scored and teams are threatened relegation and teams have good runs and all the rest of it. Around this time of the year, it blows itself into one million pieces, which are never explicable, even by very intelligent people. But tonight, Rob Daly has said he understands it. Mm. So, Rob, I'll be ready to do the Belgian League. He says he knows what's happening. Millions say, no, you don't, you're a fool. But right now, with the, the aid only of a slightly pink-coloured notebook, <laughs> Rob Daly, what is happening in Belgium next week? Right, I think I've got it. I think I've got it. So earlier on today, I was stood at the back of a, a control room from a 1980s film about spaceships, just trying to, like, the whole team, we were trying to crack it. Right. I think we've got it. And forgive me if I waffle on. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you get that? Waffle on Belgium. 16 teams in the Belgian Pro League. The top six go into the championship group. Their points are halved. They play each other twice. The winner of that wins the league. That's easy. That's not too bad. Stop there. Hold on one second. I don't mean to distract you, <laughs> but a very important goal. Um, Mitroglou has scored for Olympic Marseille, set up by Dimitri Payet. That puts them 2-1 up there at Toulouse. Toulouse 1, Marseille 2 is now the score there in France. Mitroglou with that goal after about 70 minutes. Please carry on, Rob. Sorry. Okay, so that's pretty simple. The halving of the points is a bit mad, and if you get a, a sort of 0.5, you get it rounded up. Right? <laughs> so, right. Okay, so 16th just gets relegated. You're gone. Forget yeah. it. You don't get to play again now for the rest of the so season. So two-thirds of the way through the season, <laughs> I just say, you are... I won't use the word, and you go, yeah? Yeah. So, so what, what, what do they do with the rest of the year? I think they just, I don't know. They, they're gone. I mean, they, they can't play any more football, unless they're still in the cup, but I don't think right. they are. Right, okay. So who, they, who is that, by the Mechelen. way? Okay. So Mechelen are gone. Yeah. Okay, so now 7th to 15th play in the European League, but they're joined by three teams from the second tier, but not the top team, the second, third, fourth team going to that. So now we have 12 teams. They split into two groups of six. The winners Why? of the, hold on, I'll get there. It doesn't make sense. The two groups of six. The winners of those play each other. That doesn't get you into Europe. You then have to play the team, one of the teams that finished either third, fourth, or fifth in the championship group. Then you have a playoff for that, and that gets you into Europe. And if I've followed you, and I don't believe I have, but if I have followed you, what happens to the team I'm currently top of the second level? They, so the second tier is play is not. You don't play one season. You play two seasons over the course of a season. So you play a September to December, a January to March. An apertura, a clausura, as we're used to in Argentinian football. So you get two league champions. Yeah. They play each other in a playoff. 
And that team replaces the side that got relegated in 16th. How did this league produce the, the crop of players we currently <laughs> see playing for Belgium? Well, this was brought in, right? So, because they've all played 30 games now, so this happens as of next weekend. Because the top clubs in Belgium thought that the league was too rubbish and that simply they needed strong competition to compete in Europe. Yeah. Ironically... They all think it's rubbish now. The current TVD deal runs to 2020, unlikely to change before then. And Belgium's coefficient is almost invisible. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just... Uh, well, thank you. That was both, I imagine, correct. If you followed that, no, I mean, bless you. No, no, the really. courage it took to do it was one thing. Um, I mean, nobody understands it, let's be <laughs> Can honest. Can you see the panic in my eyes? As no, I was, no, yeah, it, was, it was very, very good okay, indeed. Good. Um, talk to me about then um, uh, Holland, where... All right, I mean, that's there, easier. There, well, it's not as hard. PSV, um, we, we were saying last week, running away with the title. Um, they got beat today um, by five goals to... Say yesterday, by yeah. five goals to nil by a team flirting with relegation. Willem Tvey. Uh, breeding ground of Sammy Hippie, of course, who Liverpool uh, signed him from. Uh, 5-0 win for them. Fran sold the Spaniard with a hat-trick. I didn't see the game. No. I don't know why that happened. PSV still overwhelming favourites for the title. But that will not their confidence for sure. Well, absolutely. Ajax, we should say, who are the only team even within remote touching distance on. They had a good win, beating Heronvain by four goals to nil, which takes us on to Greece. Um, now, we've been following the Greek football. Greek football. I'm always, uh, it's a very close race for the title. It's also in the courts. It's also in the corridors of the Greek Football Association. And as of now, it's also the centre of what I think could be one of the big stories in European football. I don't just mean in Greek football, but in European football for months to come. First of all, let's just uh, say what's been going on with that, about the points deductions and all the rest of it surrounding oh, Olympiacos. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if things aren't mad enough, Pauk had three points taken away from them and were told they were going to play two games behind closed doors because of uh, an object was thrown at the Olympiacos um, head coach, Oscar Garcia, during a recent game, um, and he was injured in that. But that's been overturned. Get somebody on. If we can get a reporter on, um, we'll try to. Reports reaching us are suggesting the reason why the game's been stopped for an hour is that Pauk got a late goal which was controversially disallowed, leading to fans and even the club's owner running onto the pitch. Reports are saying that the owner appeared to be waving a firearm um, and that the Ike, the Ike players then ran off to the dressing room. The play is still uh, suspended, as far as we know, and reports are saying that the Pauk owner has said to the referee, you're dead. Um, even Yikes. by the standards of Greek football, and, you know, and I like to have a laugh Ooh. about it, this is too much. Um, but the game has not yet been called off or abandoned. Uh, he's at the moment in a state of suspension, and we'll try before the top of the hour to get somebody on to talk about exactly what's happening there in Greece. Because it's an absolutely critical game in the race for the title, but hardly worth what's going, what appears to be going on there right now. We'll try and find out more if we can. Um, we'll move on very quickly to uh, Poland, um, where I very rarely have the headline, Welshman sacked. Oh, yeah, so it's I don't gear, know what gear change. Sorry, gear that. change, gear change, yeah. gear change. Okay, so Adam Owen, Welsh coach of uh, Lekia Gdansk as we were practising in the office yeah. before. Uh, Adam Owen, who was part of the Welsh setup with, uh, with, uh, with Chris Coleman, um, who got the job back in September 2017 as head coach. He brought Lee M um, McCulloch over with him as well, analyst Matt Newton. They've all been sacked after a poor run of form. Um, so uh, credit to him, British coach, trying his luck uh, on the continent, but it hasn't worked out. Only six months in charge, and he's lost his job. 
Final whistle's gone. The San Siro, that game, I think, has ended nil-nil. got so excited about Greece, I think I missed the scoreline. I suspect, by the way, the players are kissing and hugging each other. That game has ended nil-nil. Somebody just confirm that for me, please, through the glass. And that takes us on two and a half years of the award-winning and now multi-award winning. Yes, it was nil-nil in San Siro. Um, not the best result for Napoli. Um, over two and a half uh, years of doing, I say, the multi-award winning Trans-Europe Express. Mm. And we have not previously mentioned Hajduk Split. When I was a lad, they would occasionally, one of those East European teams that would emerge from the obscurity of the uh, the Iron Curtain, whack some British team 3-0 and then disappear <laughs> again. Um, technically brilliant, gifted players. But they're back in the news. They are because they've got a very promising young goalkeeper, Carlo Letitza, who is a Croatia under-21 international, over two metres tall, and he's been linked with Real Madrid. So there's a lot of excitement around him at the moment. Now, Hajduk Split chasing down Dinamo Zagreb for the title. 2-2. It's the last minute, Danny. In fact, it's five minutes into added time. You don't want to draw against Istra. You chuck your goalkeeper forward. Uh-huh. And sure enough, Carlo Letizza has smashed in a fine header to win them the game. And his celebration was great, Danny. He just, inside the penalty box, rather than just running off, because goalkeepers don't know what to do, do they, when they when they score. He just stood there and just put his arms out. It's a bit Cantona-like. And his teammates mobbed him. So, um... I mean, Real Madrid don't need more goals, but if they want a goalkeeper and could score them, perhaps Carlo Letiz is the answer. Yeah, and of course, that would be a massive uh, upgrade in the long run from uh, their current goalkeeper in terms of size, wouldn't it? It's certainly, I mean, he's not the, he's not the tallest, tallest of course, Caelan Aves. No, um, he's not. And uh, I think Real Madrid are looking for a new one, aren't uh, they? Absolutely. And just since we're on that subject, very briefly, um, you're, you, you speak of great neutrality here, but I know you're a Liverpool fan. What do you make of Klopp not allowing Carriers to go up for the late corners at Liverpool? Yeah, just do it. It's well, it's why not? I mean, why not? Uh, what they score again? It doesn't you're matter. You're already losing the game. Yeah, I saw the weirdest thing I've ever seen in a game. I think it was Ruben Kazan against Atletico. Atletico losing one 0 at home. It was very early in Simeone's reign, and he sends his goalkeeper forward for a corner. It's first leg. They're losing one 0 at home. He sends the goalkeeper forward. Sure enough, Ruben. Get the ball. Gokdenitz Karadenitz scores at the other end. I think it sort of dawns on Simeone. Oh, there's a second leg in yeah, this. We didn't yeah. need to do this. And they won the second leg 1-0 and went out. But it is not that unusual a thing for goalkeepers, we all remember Jimmy Glass, to do yeah. chaotic things and to either score or contribute to a goal. And I was really surprised, particularly as Liverpool had got such a head of steam up in that last 15 minutes at Old Trafford. I was surprised that Klopp mm. was waving him back. Uh, you're listening to Trans-Europe Express. We've still got our World Cup preview uh, coming up for you, which will be coming up very, very soon. We will try, can't promise, and we will try to get the latest from what sounds like extraordinary events in Greece tonight as AK Athens and Pauk, I daren't use the word, fight for the three points uh, towards trying to be uh, champions in Greece. So uh, you're listening to Rob Daly and me, Danny Kelly, here on Trans-Europe Express. Ground control to Major Tom Ground control to Major Tom you know the rules. If you start doing songs about space, you're sacked. Unless you do, you play Space Odyssey by David Bowie. Even though there's an argument, Starman's a far better record, isn't there? Ground control to Major Tom. Seven, six, commencing countdown engines on. The technological advance here of protein pill, everybody. Check ignition and may God's love be with you. 
we really are trying as best we can to find out what's going on in Chris. Oh, we have got someone, so we're going to put them on now and give us two minutes. Okay, we're going over now to Greek football expert Graham Wood. Good evening, Graham. Good evening. Good evening, Graham. Thank you for joining me, uh, Rob, and the listeners. Um, obviously, we're often la- laughing about some of the goings-on in Greek football, but tonight's events sound way off the scale, even by the standards of that very, very volatile league. Can you tell us what's happened in this game between AEK and Pauk? Well, it's absolute chaos. Um, actually, the match itself was a rare, really good advert for Greek football, but in the 90th minute, uh, the home side Pauk scored a goal which was then ruled a few minutes later offside. And then after that, chaos reigned and the, the Pauk bench and their owner came on the field. He was actually seen with, with a pistol strapped to his belt and making alleged threats to the referees and the officials that, that they're finished and they're dead and this kind of stuff. So it's just been absolute, there's been brawling, there's been absolute chaos and the referee pulled all the players off the pitch with a little two-hour wait where we're just trying to see what's going to happen. Is the game going to continue? After an so, hour, the Graham, players... let, let, me, let me understand this. The, the game has not yet been officially abandoned and, and the score is still nil-nil. Is that correct? So, yes, the, the score is nil-nil um, and they've just, they've just confirmed now, just a few moments ago, that the match is not going to continue. Um, so... That's basically the situation now. Nil-nil, and they've abandoned the game. So presumably it'll have to be played again? Well, well we don't know. Usually it, it, it depends on the reasons that, that, that the match has been called off. I mean, if it's because of um, um, Ike claiming that they're afraid and there's a kind of, you know, some kind of, um, in quotation marks, terrorism involved or a threat, physical threat, then maybe uh, AK will take the game on paper. We just don't know what the referee... We have to wait for the referee's report, which will probably be published tomorrow or later on in the early hours of this morning until we find out what exactly will happen, if it's going to be played again or not. Well, of course, we've had trouble with Park recently, haven't we, um, Graham, with, with the game against Olympiacos, where Oscar Garcia was hit by an object from the stands when, and in that case, Olympiacos were awarded all three points. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's it's just been absolute um, chaos for the past couple of weeks. I mean, that that was the last home game. So this is the second home game Park had in a row, which has been cancelled. Um, and actually, in that game against Olympiacos, um, there was a court appeal this week, and they actually won it. So they won the points back, and they and, and they just lost the match on paper three nil. Um, and, and, and there was a lot of controversy in the media about that decision that it shouldn't have been reversed mm. because they went by the rule book. It's just, it's just absolutely chaos. It's just, and it's such a shame. <laughs> it is because we keep remarking here on Trans Europe Express that it's a brilliant race for the league title in Greece. But uh, as they headed towards this, the closing stages, it has all, I mean, to, to use a totally inappropriate word, kicked off. Now, Graham, I want to thank you so much for coming on here. We were desperate to get somebody who knew what was going on. And in that five no minutes, problem. you've given us an exact thank you very much. That's Graham Wood, Greek footballer. Graham, are you on Twitter? Yes, I am indeed. What, 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 what's your Twitter handle? It's um, at um, Graham underscore Wood 79. Graham underscore Wood 79, if you want to follow Graham um, on Twitter there and find out all the latest from Greek football. Well, I think we have to put back our World Cup guide uh, for a week because um, 
that's taken up a, a chunk of time. I think it's well worth doing, um, which means I think we should go back to our poll. I think you've got some thoughts on this, Rob Daly. Um, the poll is who is going to be the next manager or who should be the next manager of PSG um, following their calamitous departure from the Champions League. And we've suggested the following names. 15% of you have gone for Maurizio Pochettino, 17% for Dimi- Diego Simeone, uh, 39, 29% for Arsene Wenger, and 39%, get it right, Danny, for Antonio Conte. Okay, that, that, but other names came into it, but you're not sure that we're looking, we're barking up the right tree here. Well, I, I suggested them, so it's my fault. But uh, I'm looking at the previous one. So Ruin PS- the show. PSG's problem is winning the Champions League, right? That's the problem. Winning the league isn't a problem. They're going to do that under Unai Emery. So they're looking at coaches. I mean, Conte, uh, Simeone, Pochettino are the ones really linked with the job. Mm-hmm. None of them have won the Champions League. In the last few years, these are the names. Zidane has been linked with it. Luis Enrique, currently unemployed. Heinkers, Guardiola, Roberto Di Matteo, Carlo Ancelotti, Jose Mourinho and Rafa Benitez going back to 2005. Mm-hmm. So if the, if the problem is winning this competition and finding a coach, why don't they just really go for Luis Enrique? Why don't they put the squeeze on... Zidane, if things don't work out at, at at Real Madrid this season in terms of the Champions League, which defines their season, um, it's going to be very interesting because the thinking was with Unai Emery, he's won the Europa League. He's won the Europa League a couple of times. He knows what to do in Europe. The Europa League and the Champions League are different things. It's a much higher level of football. Um, so I just wonder what PSG are going to do. But as we, as we mentioned, French media convinced Conte's the man. Okay, listen, thank you very, very much, Deed, and thank you for uh, everything you've done in the last little while Great here, fun, Danny. Uh, on the Trans-Europe Express, which always flies by. Thanks to all of you um, for your help with the programme, particularly with the music and the polls. Um, let me just tell you that in uh, Marseille have won by two goals to one at Toulouse. Good result for them. And Ferreira still beating um, Porto by a goal to nil there in Portugal. Just 10 minutes left in that game. So that's uh, that's a, in danger of being a real um, brick into the mill pond of the normal, normally uh, very quietly efficient Portuguese league. Uh, thank you very much, as I say, to all of you for listening. On digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Danny. Kelly's Trans Europe Express on Talk Sport. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.